Lord, we just stand here in your presence, in the presence of your greatness. Lord, we acknowledge you. How great is our God. There is no one greater than you. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that you are the greatest that has ever been. You were there before the beginning, you will be there into eternity. And Lord, somehow in your greatness, you still look down on us. love us so dearly. When we see greatness in the world, often those people just leave our midst. But Lord, you, you in your greatness, you come into the midst of us and you pour your greatness into us. How great is our God. We thank you and we praise you. We thank you for your healing in our lives. And Lord, even though we're not worthy to come into your presence, you take us by the hand. And Jesus, you lead us into your house, into the courts of heaven to worship you. We thank you. We praise you. And Lord, as we look into your word now, and as our young people go for Sunday streams today, Lord, speak to each one of us. Speak to us of your greatness. Speak to us of your love. Speak to us of your, your care and your concern in our lives. And Lord, take us, take us deeper in you. May we understand you more, experience you more, know you more. Through your words, through the ministry of your spirit. But we ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Let me ask you today, how satisfied are you? How satisfied are you? I was out golfing yesterday with my son. I made a big mistake a number of years ago. I bought him some golf lessons. And, and I, I used to be able to beat him, and now he just drives it into the, into the distance. And, uh, and I come back from there, and I have a great time with him. And, uh, and I was there with my brother and another friend from across the road. And we had a really good time together. It was a beautiful day yesterday, wasn't it? Brilliant yesterday. But I come back and Enoch has said to me, my wife says, you don't sound like you had a very good time. Because I was like, well, I hid it into this tree and I was playing in the sand like a five-year-old and, and all this. And you know, I said, no, I had a great time. I'm just, I'm just not satisfied with the level of my golf ability. I see my son and I just think, I wish I could be like that. You know, I wish I could just drive that ball and it vanishes and it comes down with snow on it, you know? I wish I could hit it straight and not zigzag and have to, you know, walk twice as far as him. I wish 
I wish I could play golf like that. Now, I don't play very often, so it's not surprising that I don't get any better, really. But I'm asking you, how satisfied are you? How satisfied are you in your spiritual life, in your walk with Jesus Christ? You know, we had an amazing conference last week, didn't we? Those that were here, a truly blessed time. But one of the things that conferences does, at least for me, is it makes me dissatisfied. Because I see all the things and I experience and, and everything like that. And I come and I go, you know what? Lord, I want that every week. I want, I want that every day. I'm just, take me, you know, you kind of go on a journey in a conference, don't you? The Lord takes you where you are and He leads you. And if you're there every day, He kind of leads you on this journey. And at the end of that journey, you think, you know, Lord, don't let me go back to where I was before. I'm dissatisfied and I want to go on. I want to continue this journey with you. I want to look with you over the next few weeks about how we continue that journey. I don't want to go back to where I was before. I don't want to go back to where I was last week. I want to carry on on this journey with God. I don't want to be the same. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't want to be. I want to be closer to the heart of God this time next week than I am right now. I want to be closer in His presence next week and the week after and the week after that. I want to keep on understanding and experiencing and flowing more in God than I am right now. And the question is, well, where do we start with that? How? How do we do that? It's not something that just happens. We can't just sit here and, and, I, and I put my feet up on the chair and I say, okay, Lord, these things keep, right. I can't just sit here like this and say, Lord, okay, come on in. Get me deeper and I'll just wait. It doesn't work, does it? Anymore I can sit here and go, Lord, make me the number one golfer in the universe. I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. No, God will say, hey, there's some things you need to do here. If you want to improve at golf, go get some lessons. Go practice. If you want to go deeper, there's some things we need to do. Turn in your Bibles today to Revelation. I got a new clicker. This is awesome. If it works. Let's see. Revelation chapter 2 says this. Let's read it together. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven gold lampstands. Now, the seven stars, it says in Revelation 1.20, are the angels, seven angels. It says that each church has angels over it. And the seven stars are the angels that are looking after the church. There are angels over Trinity Church. Amen? And the angels God sends to look after us, to watch over us, to help us. And he says, the angels are the seven stars. And the seven gold lampstands, he said, are the seven churches. And there's seven churches in the book of Revelation. Starts with Ephesus. This is the first one. So he says, he's walking among 
the seven gold lampstands, okay? So God's presence, God's presence is walking among this church. He's there amongst it. Let's carry on. He says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Now this looks like a good church, doesn't it? When you look at that, what does it say? It says, I know your deeds. So they're doing loads of things for God, right? They're out there doing the ministry. I know your hard work. God says, I'm looking at you and I can see all the things that you're doing. It's great. You're doing this ministry and that ministry. You're feeding the poor and the hungry and, and you're giving them food and, and you're, uh, you've got a night shelter going on and you've got a day center for clients with learning difficulties. You're doing all these things. You've got coffee mornings and, and community cafes. You've got all these things going on. I know your deeds and your hard work. And I know your perseverance too. Sometimes it's not been easy, but you've kept on going and going and going. And I can see that. Not only that, you've got good theology as well. Because he says, I know you can't tolerate wicked people, that you've tested those who claim to be apostles but are not. 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 to 3, it says, test the spirits. Don't just let anybody come up into the pulpit and start talking to you. Test them. Use the Word of God. See whether what they're saying is true or whether it's false. If it's false, throw them out. If it's true, keep them. Don't throw me out. Right. Okay. Test them so you know your theology. You know what you're doing here. And this is good. And you've actually tested them and you've found them to be false. And you've thrown them out. Brilliant. This church is a great church. This is the kind of church you want to go to, isn't it? Yeah? Sounds good to me. You've persevered and endured hardships for my name. And you've not even grown weary. You've got the same energy today that you, that you used to have. But look what he says. Yet I hold this against you. You've forsaken the love that you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do these things you did at first. If you do not repent, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? He's going to remove the lampstand. What does that mean? What's the lampstand? He's going to close the church. He's going to remove his presence from the church. The church building might still be there, but it won't be a church any longer. It's just going to be a, a club that people get to on a Sunday morning. They may carry on doing all the ministry, but there's no presence of Jesus Christ. There's no power of the Holy Spirit in that place. If you want to go deeper with Jesus Christ, deeper in God, deeper in the things of the Spirit, if I want to go deeper, this is the place we need to start. Because this is a great church except for one thing. And that one thing eradicates absolutely everything else. He says, if you don't have love like you used to have love, then the rest of it is useless. You may as well close the doors, sell the building, buy a yacht and go to the Bahamas. It's not quite what it says, but you know my drift, right? You need to love like you used to love. Otherwise, my presence is going to vanish from you. 
And then when I read this, I thought, well, what kind of love is he talking about? What does it mean to love like you first loved? Now, I don't think he means in a sense like, how many of you have ever been in love? Okay, there's a few people we need to pray for. They haven't been in love, you know. Even a few married people have not put their hands out. I'm slightly worried here. All right? Okay. Now that you've come back in, let's see again. How many of you have been in love? Because Dele didn't put his hand up. There he is. There, there we go. Awesome. So he needed his wife to be close by. To uh, They were married here. I was, you know. You know what it's, it's not talking, I don't think it's talking about that, is it? It's not the kind of love that kind of, you know, people are really sick when they're first in love, aren't they? They're useless to everybody. They're just on the phone all the time, texting all the fine time, looking into each other's eyes all the time. You know, no one else is around them, really. The whole world revolves around two people, doesn't it? It's not, that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about us going, oh, Jesus. You know, because we wouldn't just do anything, would we? If we were like that, we'd be just like, just me and Jesus, me and Jesus. Forget about everybody else, just me and him, me and him. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus didn't behave like that, did he, with the Father? He didn't say, oh, disciples, get out of here. Like, I'm in love with the Father. Just leave me alone. No, he went out and he showed his love in different ways. So what does it really mean? Well, let's turn to Mark's gospel. Mark chapter 12, verse 30. Let me read the context to this. Because this is what Jesus said we're to be love, we're to love like. It says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Let's say it together. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. That is what he said is how we're to love. The second is this. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. He said, we've got to love with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. If you want to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ, this is what you need to do. This is like diving into the swimming pool, right? You're not going to go anywhere unless you do this. This is like, well, you know in Revelation 3.20, he says, I stand at the door and I knock. This is how you open the door and let him in. You love him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. Now love is that agape love. That's that self-giving, sacrificial kind of love. It's not the eros kind of emotional, sexual kind of, oh, I love you kind of love, right? It's it's a love that gives, self-sacrifices, the love that we see Jesus loving us on the cross. We are to love the Lord our God like that, to give ourselves to God with all of our hearts. Now, what does it mean with all of your heart? What do you think it means? What's your heart? Well, I know what your heart is. It's right about here. 
I married a nurse and I found that out. What does it mean to love with all of your heart? What do you think it means? Any ideas? What's your heart when you talk about your heart? What do you think it means? With your feelings? With concentration? Giving the whole lot? Well, the whole thing is giving your whole lot, that's for sure. You know, your heart in the Bible, in the Old Testament, the heart is actually your personality. Your feelings, it says, come from your bowels. Right? That's, that's in the Old Testament. That's, that's how it describes it. That's why we don't use it. It doesn't work on, you know, on Valentine's cards. I love you with all of my bowels. It doesn't really, it wouldn't catch on, right? So we use heart. But in the Bible, that's, what it, that's where the seat of your emotion is, right? You can try it next year, you know, in February. I love you with all of my bowels. See what response you get. Maybe not, okay? Your heart is actually your personality. So what you're saying is, I'm going to love God with all, all of me, my personality, my character, who I am, what makes me, me. Right? So it's, it's like, the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's me. You know, like when, you, when you're peckish, you know, and you open the fridge door up. Oh, I'm a, bit, I'm a bit hungry. I don't want a proper meal. I just want a snack. You know that? And you open the fridge door up. And what happens when you look in the fridge? Well, you've got stuff that you don't like, right? That's, that's Enica's stuff, my wife's stuff there. Then you've got to kind of rummage around a bit, and, you, and you've got stuff that's, you know, that's out of date because you've forgotten to clear it out, and it's, you know, don't want that. You go into the, the drawer with the vegetables and stuff, and there's always one at the bottom that's looking a bit mushy, isn't there? Because all the others have squashed it. You know what I mean? I'm not the only one, am I? No, no, good. All right. It's everything in there, isn't it? And then you finally find the thing that you want and go, you know what? It's like me yesterday. I thought, you know what? I don't want too much. I just want a little snack. What am I going to have? Salad cream on a piece of bread. Nice. Eat it and off you go. You know? Nice. So you, you kind of get what you, but it's all in there. And that's like us, isn't it? We're all there. You know, on Sundays, we put on our nice pink shirts and our nice trousers and everything. And we come to church and we look all, you know, that's the nice stuff in the fridge. But if you go behind the scenes, there's the other bits as well. One of the things I love doing, you know, when taking a number of teams away to Africa on mission, so fascinating. Because when you get there, everybody's really polite with everybody else, and everybody's, hey, you know, and very spiritual. And then what happens? Well, you start getting tired, and you start getting a little bit irritated because it's hot, and there's flies everywhere, and, you know, and it's uncomfortable surroundings, and you're not sure. And suddenly the facades start to crack a little bit. You know, you wake up in the morning, oh my goodness, is that me? Oh, you know, your beard starts growing, and, you know. And the facade, and then you work over the next few days at keeping that facade really hard. And then finally, the whole lot collapses, and the real you comes out with one another. And after about two weeks, usually, week and a half, two weeks, everybody's real self comes out because they can't keep it. Omer knows what I'm talking about. You can't keep it going any longer because you're with each other 24 7. 
It's, it's like when you're, you know, when you're uh, dating someone and then you finally get married and you go, my goodness, I didn't know that about him. How many of that, is that happened to you? You know, you, you date someone and you why? Because you see the good bit, but then you go, you never told me about the sock thing, you know. What's all this on the floor? You were so tidy when I came around before, you know. Now look at it. What's going on? This is not the guy I married, you know. Some women are really laughing and some men are going, oh, what's he talking about? But the heart is all of you. That's what it's saying. And what he's saying here is you need to love with everything. Because you know what? Jesus loves everything about you. Do you hear me? You know, Jesus doesn't just want the good bits of you. He wants all of you. He said, David, I love you. I love the bits that, with the pink shirt and the nice trousers and everything out in front. I love that. But David, I love you just as much, you know, when you're struggling. I love you just as much when you're crying. I love you just as much when you're leaving your socks on the floor and you should be putting them in the laundry basket. I love you. Oh, there's some people going like this. <laughs> By the way, I don't leave socks on the floor, but just let you know. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Jesus loves you. And he says, you know what? I love you, all of you. There's not one bit of you that I don't love. Not one bit. Every single bit of you I love. Even the bits you don't love about yourself. He says, I love about you. He doesn't necessarily not want to change those parts of you, but he loves you. And he says, you know what? I want you to love me with all of you that you are. Don't just come and give me what you think is the best bits. Give me everything. Give me all of you. Your whole character. Give it to me. And then let me transform it gradually. That's what your heart is. He says, not only your heart, but with all of your soul. Your soul is the kind of the spirit within you, the life, the, the thing that gives you breath. You remember in the valley of the dry bones where he breathes into them? That's your kind of your soul. It's your energy, your, your time. He says, love me with your time and your energy. Your, your life, love me with that. You know, as I thought about this, I thought, I wonder what it would be like if somebody was to shadow me for a week. Not talk to me, but just have access into my life for a whole week. Follow me everywhere I went. And even worse, if they had access into my mind. If they could see me for a whole week and then write a report, I wonder what they would say. It'd be scary, wouldn't it? What would they say? Where I spend my time, where I spend my energy, what I spend my time thinking about, focusing on. I wonder what that person would think about me. Would they know that I love Jesus? Would they say that I love Jesus with all of my soul? Or would they conclude something different? I 
One of the things that God calls us to do is to love Him with all of our soul, all of our time. That is, He's not saying love the church with all of your time. Love Him. doesn't mean you've got to be inside the church building 24-7. I know many ministers that spend their days and they don't love Him with all of their soul. They love the church. Some of them more than they love Jesus Christ. Where do you spend your time thinking about? Where do you spend your energy? What are you doing? What are you investing in? Because if you want to grow in Jesus Christ, if you want to leap into that swimming pool, if you want him to take you on this journey deeper, then you need to sometimes get rid of the stuff that's, that's holding you back. You know, one of the things that Jesus has said to me is that very thing. He said, David, there's these things in your life you need to let go of them. I was there in the conference and I said, Lord, I want to go deeper in you. Pastor Jerome was preaching about going deeper and deeper and deeper. And I said, Lord, take me there. I want to go as deep as I can go in you. I do not want to get to meet you face to face and you show me I could have gone deeper. You know what Jesus said? He said, these things in your life, they need to go. Not that they're bad things, but he said, they're taking your time away from what you need to do or what I need to do in you to take you deeper. You, you have a choice now. You want to go deep? Then refocus onto these things that I'm going to show you. And to do that, you need to remove these other things. Not bad things, but just get them out of the way so that you've got the time to go deeper with me. And it's hard because those things are part of my life. Things that I enjoy. But they're getting in the way. And so I've had to let them go this week and just go, okay, they're gone. Now take me. That's your soul. Do you love him with all of your soul? What about your mind? Your mind is your choices. The choices that you make in life. Do you love him enough that when you need to make a choice, you immediately get on your knees and you say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. I want your choice in this situation. I don't want mine. I want yours. I want to follow you in every single choice that I make. Lord, what do you want me to do in this situation? How do you want me to do this? Show me. I'm going to wait upon you. That's loving him with your mind. Because he wants to take you deeper and deeper into him. In Proverbs, I think I might even have it up here. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. That's loving the Lord your God with all your might. You trust him in every decision that you make. And you say, I don't want to make my decision. I just want to make yours. As a church, we're learning how to do this. As a board, we get together and we say, Lord, what is it you're asking us to do? That's what we will do. We don't want to do anything because anything we do ourselves in our own wisdom is going to be futile. We don't see the next stages of the journey. We don't see where he wants to take us all the time. But we trust him. And so we wait and we say, Lord, 
we're going to trust you. We're not going to lean on our own understanding, but we're going to submit to your ways because we know that you see further ahead than we do. We know that your ways are always for the best. And so that's what we're going to do. And we trust you in that process. And sometimes you can put rational reasons behind it, and sometimes you can't. But you still trust him anyway. And you say, Lord, we're going to go with that because we know that's from you. Do you love him with all of your mind? He says in Philippians, to think about the good things. Focus your attention on the good things. Whatever is pure, whatever is noble, think about these things. In Hebrews 12, he says, fix your eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Love him with all of your mind and with all of your strength. Your strength is not just these awesome biceps. Where are they? Your strength is all the blessings that you have. It's all your ability. It's all the resources that God has given to you. Everything that God gives to you, he lends it to you. It's his. And to love him with all of your strength means that you lay every single thing that you have at the feet of Jesus Christ. My house, my home, my car, all the possessions I have, my bank account, everything else belongs to God. All of it. And I will use it however he directs me to use it. You lay it before him. Do you remember the rich young ruler? In Mark 10, he loved God with his heart, with his soul, and with his mind, but not with his strength. And Jesus said, that's not enough. Because when he challenged him to go and sell everything and give to the poor, come follow me, he couldn't do it. He said, I've kept all the commandments, but it's not enough. Jesus said, we need to do this. If you want to go on this journey with Jesus Christ, this is what you need to do. You need to say, Lord, I want to love you. I want to sacrifice myself to you. I commit myself to you. My personality, I commit to you. My life, my time, my energy, I commit to you. My choices, I commit to you. And all the resources that you've given to me, I give them back to you. They are yours. Take them and use them for your glory. Where are you this morning? You know the church in Ephesus. Let me go on one. Oh, let me go back a bit. Church in Ephesus, it did many, many things, but it lost its love. It was doing great things for God, but not with the love that God wanted. And God says, I'm not going to, I can't take you deeper. In fact, my presence may well be removed from you unless you repent and you come back. And let me say this too. 
We do not serve a God who hasn't done it for us already. Jesus Christ has loved us with all of his heart. All of his personality was out there. And what did the people say? Crucify him. He laid himself out before everybody. He didn't hide himself. He didn't just give his best bits. He gave everything. And we rejected him. He gave his life, his time, his energy to God. He said, this is my life. This is who I am. I'm going to do your will, not mine be done in all things. On the cross, his very life was poured out for you and for me. It says in Isaiah 53, doesn't it? By his stripes, we're healed. He gave everything. His body was broken for us. And he poured out his strength. Everything that he had, he gave to the Father. He said, it's not mine. I'm not here to do my will. I'm here to do the will of the Father. He's given everything. Philippians said he gave it all up to come down and be with you and me. And so he's standing and he's knocking today. What are you going to do? Whoops. It says, I'm knocking at the door of your heart. In Matthew, it says, the, the way of God is narrow. And not many go that way. Because not many want to make that jump and that leap. Not many want to trust him and open that door. But as much as you open that door is as much as God will take you deeper in him. You know that? As much as you open that door is the limit to which God will take you. There is no depth to which God can take you. I said to God, I was praying in that chapel. I said, Lord, take me to the very bottom. I want to see the seabed. And God said, there is no seabed, David. I can just keep you going down and down and down and down and down and down. I said, well, okay, take me that far. And he said, yeah, but you've got to do this. You've got to love me with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. If you do that, if you keep on doing that all the time, then there is no limit to how far I can take you. The limit will only be when I say stop or when you say stop. The limit will only be the amount that you can trust him. But I, for one, don't want to stand before God. And he showed me a whole depth that I failed to accomplish, that I failed to reach because of my own cowardice. He's standing and he's knocking today. How far are you going to let him take you? You see, as we continue this journey together, if you don't open your heart today, the rest will be pointless. You may as well not come for the next few months. Because unless you're willing to open your heart today, the journey is going to be pointless for you. You can come and worship, but he's not going to take you anywhere. 
the choice is yours. That's how much he loves us. He says, I love you so much, I'm not gonna force you. I will give you the choice. What are you gonna do today? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you love us so much that you give us a choice. You stand at the door and you knock. You could beat that door down and you could walk right into our lives and demand, but that's not love. Love stands and knocks. And you say to each one of us, I want to take you on this journey that is so amazing, that is so beautiful, that will transform you, that will give you joy and peace like you've never known before, that will give you power in your life and victory in your life like you've never experienced it before. I want to pour out my blessings from the storehouses of heaven into you. But I can only do that if you open the door. And we open the door when we give him our whole heart, our whole soul, our whole mind, and our whole strength. Lord, I ask that each one of us today would do that. Lord, if we're struggling, give us the strength to overcome that struggle. But today we may start afresh with you and see how far you can take us, how far we can go in this journey. Lord, there is no bottom. Take us deep with you. I thank you and I praise you, Lord, for your faithfulness to us. And you never take us anywhere that you haven't already been. You know the way. You are the way, the truth, and the life. Take each of us by the hand and lead us today. For we ask this in your name. Amen.